What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined uh, by Civ uh, Pop Weekly co-host, Andrew. Ahoy! Uh, that's right, Andrew. Uh, co-host on Civ Pop Weekly with Aaron, giving you uh, movie reviews uh, weekly. Um, for what, like two, three years now? Oh, yeah, way more than that. Well, that's right, because it's like 320 some odd episodes now, and uh, yeah, joined like what maybe I like think hundreds we're of years ago? on year five or maybe even six. I don't remember. It's been a hot minute, though. I know that. <laughs> it certainly and it says- wasn't until you just brought it up that I realized the the length of it all. That I was like, oh man, this has been going on for a while. Well, it's been since at least I've been listening. So all um, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um. I uh, write it and edit for SifPop.com. Do movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of good stuff. Make sure to check out the website. Make sure to check out SifPop Weekly uh, each, usually Saturday morning on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's weird to say usually, but it's very frequently not Saturday morning. Uh, weekend. <laughs> well, it, it's it was it's mainly whenever we get around to award season, you know, yeah. with screeners as well as you know Aaron having to travel to go to like events and stuff like that so it's like hey can we can we record this on this day and then we'll try and get it out whenever we can so this time of year is whenever the uh the schedules get a little bit more sporadic but for the most part we do try for Saturday mornings well and there's also like you know now that there are two regular international people on the show at yeah. opposite ends of the the world and one of exactly. them if you do saturday at 9 a.m is like 4 a.m her time and you know she happily yeah. did it the first time and you were like well we don't want to make you do that so. yeah it's uh it's it's amazing that you know the sif pop family is growing as as much as it is globally yeah. even especially but also with that comes a lot of uh you know fun little things that you have to try and work around. So, cause we want to make sure uh, we don't want it to always be, you know, Aaron and I, as much as fun as we have just talking back and forth, we have so much more fun sharing our opinions with the people from the writer's room. So, and yeah. reading your guys' reviews and stuff like that. And like, especially on movies that I didn't like and stuff. And then like, I'll go onto like a writer's room and uh, I'm not saying like star Wars. That's the big one. Everybody comes back to, but like, yeah, I'm trying to think of one that was really recent that uh, I did not like at all, but I went on the, the writer's room and I read somebody else's uh, take on the, on the movie. And I was like, you know what? They're right. It didn't change my opinion. Like I still Matrix? didn't like the movie. I really wish I could remember what movie it was, but I was like, I, I, I get what they're saying and yeah. I know they're right. Well, I have very similar feelings to matrix resurrections about you and John who wrote the article was very mm. high on it. So I was wondering maybe if it was that one, it was that one. Oh, nice. You know, it was the matrix. Yeah. Cause I, I despise the, the new matrix movie. Yeah, I don't want to get into another, I don't want to get into another tangential tirade of me just right. thrashing on that movie. But I was like, 
I, I was reading uh, John's re- and I was like, you know what? I, yeah, he's everything he's saying in his review. I I understand and I I get, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, it, yeah, it doesn't change that I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Right. Good. I just go. Good for you. Good for you. I'm glad <laughs> you enjoyed a movie. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been really cool uh, to see some of the stuff. And you know, I like having you on the show. I mean, this really is like designed to be like the people that write for the website. But like, it, I think that like having you or Dicer on the show every now and then, like, it kind of helps affirm that like Civ Pop as a whole is much more uh, than you know either just oh. Andrew or just Aaron or just uh, just yeah. you two or all that. And uh, yeah, Aaron may have you know started the whole thing, and I may have stuck around way longer than I probably should have. <laughs> but the the Civ Pop is more than two people, and it's really important that people know that. It's really important that people know that it's just more than Aaron and I. Yeah, well, and even, like, uh, adding, like, lots of diverse uh, names recently. Like, you know, of course, uh, Ian being in England and yeah. Alice being in Australia and all that. But even, like, adding Susan to the podcast on a semi-regular basis. Susan, Susan's amazing. Um, she is so cool. And I love yeah. every time Devon is on. And usually he has a lot to say about, um, you know, he's usually on, typically, episodes or that feature black stories. Horror, and yeah. just love and his Black's, perspective. Yeah. yeah, I mean, black stories and horror are often the same, so... Um, so, <laughs> get out <laughs> uh, right like get out 12 years a slave uh yeah you know just a candy man you know like it's or at least yeah. the episodes he's on but, but like it's you know he's a he's a black person and you know he loves horror movies so there you go yeah uh, yeah awesome uh yeah so there's lots of stuff going on uh, under the podcast uh today we're, we're gonna talk about uh a coming attraction cyrano seems to be the big one um we'll do a sift topic we'll talk about a bunch of tv uh i like having you guys on for the tv episode since you get to talk about a lot of movies and um recently it seems like there's been some tv stuff um but it's it's like always in a buried treasure or uh like the mid-year tv roundup thing um or i think that's around emmy's time actually so but like outside of that like there's not really a lot of freedom sometimes whenever yeah yeah uh, the sifties are more along the lines of like the sip pop movie awards you know we'll we'll do some tv stuff in there but mainly it's like you said around emmy time this whenever we start really praising tv shows and stuff like that so right it's because it's difficult to uh every single week make sh- it's it's easy enough to say hey everybody watch a movie you know and have it have your thoughts on it ready for you know this coming right. episode uh it's a lot more difficult to say hey can you binge an entire season or try and get caught up on a show by the end of the week to do a review on it yeah unless it's a show that everybody's watching you know like the mandalorian or yeah. something like that um yeah. I, I also, speaking of the Sifties, uh, Robert and I will be joining uh, Andrew and Aaron. Uh, if you yeah, tune you into will. The live show. That's right. Uh, if you tune into the live show, it'll be Saturday morning, uh, starting at 9.30 a.m. Central Time on YouTube. Uh, but the episodes will go live in the Sif Pop podcast feed uh, for the following, like for that weekend. So the next two episodes. So um, ways you can uh, hear more of me and Andrew talking, a couple other people. So uh, that'd be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that, actually. So Oh, we're going to have so much fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a blast. The only thing is, like, just having to talk about so much. Like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to contain like my thoughts like, on some of these <laughs> movies. To be like, don't contain, just... <laughs> man. That's the whole point. But it's hard. It's hard to be like a four-hour show. <laughs> uh, well, we are cutting it up into two yeah, different good. episodes. So. And if there is one episode that you're allowed to go along, you know, it's Star Wars episodes and Sifties. So yeah, um, that's true. That's it. Uh, 
Yeah, so we'd, uh, when we're done talking about a bunch of TV stuff, we'll talk about the B-plot. Um, I try to keep these uh, TV-related, and so um, kind of a bait, uh, I thought about this, uh, and so I thought, let's let's talk about TV shows that had a really great premise that just kind of sucked, and you wish they were better. Um, and, we'll of course, we'll do a spinoff, our version of The Buried Treasure, and we'll wrap up with that. But first, let's get a chance to uh, know our writer this week. Andrew, we've asked you all the familiar questions and uh, all that. I, I was I was wondering, um, speaking of the Sifties and all these award stuff, uh, is there a film yeah. that you really hope gets awards content- uh, awards recognition? Uh, I think Golden Globes have been announced and given at this point. Um, Critics' Choice has been announced all that. I think really the only one that we're still holding out on is Oscars. Uh, the nominations haven't been released yeah. for that yet. But is there is there a movie that you really hope gets some Oscars love that you're just not quite sure will? Yeah, um, and it's actually my number one movie of the year. And I'm shocked that it's not getting as much uh, attention as, as I think it deserves. And that's The Last Duel. Uh, I really think this is a fascinating movie. I love the Rashomon technique of, you know, telling the same story from different viewpoints. That way you can, you know, it, it forces you to really focus in on what you think is important. Ridley Scott all obviously has a, a cinematic eye. I think that this movie is beautifully shot. It's, it's, it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's bleak, cold and haunting. And that's really, really interesting the way he does that. Performances all around Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer. Um, funny enough, I think that the person, there's two people I think give amazing performances in this movie. And that's Harriet Walter and uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck brings a little bit of levity to this movie uh, for as dark as it is. Harriet Walter. Harriet Walter was the, uh, the mother uh, is got it. Yeah. Uh, I think that she is just gives this, this woman who is like beaten down. Like she understands like, this is what it's like being a woman in the medieval times. You gotta get used to it. And you just see this woman who's like lived a rough life. And yeah, I think that she is, if anybody in this movie should be getting Oscar contention for like supporting actress, I think it's her. I think she's get, doing amazing work here. Um, she's yeah, great. I, I do. I do have um, lots of fondness for Jodie Comer's role, uh, her performance. So yeah, uh, I I will be crushed if she does not get awards contention. But I think she's pretty much a lock to at least get a nomination. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. I hope this movie gets a lot more nomination than the Critics' Choice and Golden Globes and all those. I gave well, Aaron and, a hard time. I'm like, why didn't you vote for anything? For the- <laughs> well, and as um, as mentioned, uh, not a lot of people did see The Last Duel. Uh, yeah. And guess what? It just hit HBO Max a couple days ago. So if you're one of those people that haven't seen it, uh, HBO Max. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, not to, you know, do pull an Aaron with a little pun here, but hopefully it has a renaissance, you know, and it really <laughs> uh, it, it grows in people's fandom and more people get a chance to see it. I don't know. I think, look, I think it's gotten a lot of buzz because lots of people are being like, why isn't this getting, movie getting nominated? But I think it also like earned a lot of bad, like it, it put a bad taste in people's mouth because like Ridley Scott was just constantly trashing on movie fans because they're like, oh, you'll go see Spider-Man, but you won't go see The Last Duel. And it's like, yeah, um, so I, I, I think he has earned enough like bad will to for people to stay away from this movie for a hot second. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's with people, uh, you know, not really having a finger on, on the pulse and like, this isn't how you get people to come see your movie. Uh, funny enough, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, 
<laughs> another person in Hollywood who is very much uh, <laughs> is very much uh, in that in that vein of the Ridley Scott of like a, what, what what were you thinking when you said this and that's Peter Dinklage and his little hmm. kerfuffle that he had not too long ago. I haven't heard about this. Oh really? No. Uh, I, I, look, I'm pretty like stay away from all that stuff. You know, for the I, most part. You know me. I normally do too, but it's one of those things like you see it and you're like, why? You know, you're just scrolling down Reddit and like, apparently he, uh, he had a thing to say for all of the, uh, the people who didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones. Oh, and, okay. No, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was some, it was something like, a you're just mad that the pretty white people didn't get a happy ending. And I'm like, that's, that's not how you went over people. And it, <laughs> it, 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 you're like, so you're saying that everybody who didn't like, uh, uh, Game of Thrones last season is racist. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you gotta read the room, buddy. Read the room. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I don't think those were justified. But I, I look, I'm certainly not a last season defender. I'm not. I'm not trying to say it's good, but I'm. I'm just saying it's not the worst thing ever out there. It's not as bad as people think it is. It's. It's bad, but it's not. Yeah, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Not, it's disappointing. But like, if that was the first season of a show, like nobody would have cared, you know. But it's because yeah. it had such high expectations from the first couple seasons, which I don't think are as good as people think. Uh, no, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Uh, my my answer. Um, I've had to give this answer a lot, so I've given lots of different ones. I'm just gonna go with Mass. I know Mass has been getting a lot of awards love, mm. so maybe this is kind of a cheat, but um mass is my pick um if you if i could give any movie best picture uh, it would be mass uh it's not my favorite movie of the year but i do think it is um the perfect best picture movie the perfect uh combination of technical excellence um um, intrigue as well as um importance so the thing about mass that really got me intrigued with it was it's frank kranz and i'm like right what that Frank Kranz, right, like, right, the the pothead from Cabin in the Woods, the pothead yeah. <laughs> from Cabin in the Woods, or he was also the uh, I don't know if you ever watched the show Dollhouse. It's been on my queue. Oh, it was on my queue for a while, but um. I am a huge defender slash proponent of Dollhouse. I I absolutely love that show. My and understanding he's like, is Dollhouse is essentially had the same story as Firefly. I mean, it's also created by Joss Whedon uh, back yeah. before we all knew he was terrible. Uh, and yeah. was his follow up to Firefly, and then it lasted, I think, two seasons. But everybody that watched it loved it, but not a lot of people watched it. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened with Firefly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get around to it one of those days. Especially two seasons seems like nothing, you know. Yeah, uh, great performances all around by Frank Kranz and Alan Tudyk as well. So nice. Yep, Alan Tudyk. Um, hey, we'll talk oh, about yeah. him on uh, Saturday. <laughs> He's a national treasure. He is a national treasure. Yeah, I just look. I just, I don't know. I, I, I hope Mass gets a lot of awards. Love. Um, I, it's my, I, I, I hope it does. I just don't know that enough people have seen it. Um, especially when you talk about the, you know, the critics' choices typically a little bit more. Um, you know, typically might put in a movie like that more than something like the Academy. You know, typically yeah. the Academy's been a little bit safe. Um, and not because of anything of the content of Mass. It's just like I don't I don't know that Mass played in many theaters, and I don't know how many people have seen it. So I'm just wondering how many members of the Academy have seen it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. I, I, I was just I, I was got a chuckle there. when you said that the Academy is safe, and then the first thing that came to mind was last year or the Best Actor award right. at the very end. I'm like, oh, safe, huh? <laughs> look, look. You know, you know that they would be getting the opposite harassment had they would given it to. 
to Chadwick everybody because everybody would have discovered the father and been like, hold on, how did he not win? So yeah, um, but I I'm still team that probably just should have gone to Chadwick. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, we don't need to dwell on that more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to rehash all those bad memories, everybody. Yeah. But that's what I do. That's what they pay me for. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Mass is my pick. I just. It, I call. think everybody that has seen it loves it, but I just I, I want it I want it to win Best Picture because uh, partly because I think it deserves it, partly because um, more people need to see this movie. So, um, and everybody that I know has seen it has really loved it. Most people, most of the hip hop writers that have seen it had it in their top five. I mean, it was enough that only me, Robert, and Heath had it in our um, top fives of the year, and it still carried it to be like the fourth best movie of the year or something like that. So nice. High, high praise for that. Um, all right, Andrew, I have one random question for you before we get moving on. Yeah. Something to kind of reset your mind a little bit. Have you ever met a celebrity? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to pick. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm trying to pick one here. Let's go with Steven Tyler. Oh. From Aerosmith. All right. You know, I thought about doing an actor or an actress, you know, but you know what? Let's go with the music. Let's go with the music world. I was, it was 2000. And one, it was 2001 because it was, I had to say it was right after 9 11. Uh, I was in Epcot in uh, Disney and I was in Japan, like the little Japan section. And I'm just walking around the store and I bump into somebody and I turn around and it's Steven Tyler. And I'm like, oh, oh, hi. And I I, I did the thing where you, (laughs) yeah, I did the, oh, you're you thing. But I, uh, I, first I did the shock thing. Oh, and then I I got real quiet. I'm like, sorry, to, sorry to bother you. Hey, I, I'm a really big fan. He's like, and he did. He was one of the nicest guys. He's like, oh, that's cool, brother. You know, and, <laughs> and he was exactly how you would expect Steven Tyler to act in real. Like you see him and you're like, oh, I hope he's not uptight or it. No, he is just incredibly chillax. He was like. Oh yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, what do you you like the music? Right on, brother. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I'll let you. I don't want to take up your time, but you have a good day. He's like, hi, peace out, man. You know, I'm like, I just met Steven Tyler, and I looked around, and Liv wasn't there, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but no, he was one of the nicest guys ever. Nice. That's I always love when like you have stories. I was like, I met a celebrity, and they were awesome. Like, yeah, you know, I've uh, like one time I met this guy who. He he worked for um, this company that would like frequently like organize like artists like stay in their area. Yeah. And he'd be like, so I had to organize chauffeurs. And sometimes I had to be the chauffeur for like Taylor Swift and like John Mayer. And, like, but he's like, and you don't really want to know what these people are like behind closed doors. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, he's like, yeah, I think he said Taylor Swift was fine. But, it, you know, so, a little bit of a diva because, you know, this was like, you know, late sure. 2000s. Everybody was. Um, uh, yeah. but he's just like John Mayer is like maybe the worst person I've ever met. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't really like his music. So yeah, there you I, go. He's talented, but like I, yeah. he's not my idol. So uh, it was. I'm gonna throw out another one just because yeah, yeah, it yeah. just popped into my head. Uh, the time I met Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, she did. When did Winter's Bone come out? It was 2011, uh, I think. Because that was like right before she yeah, blew 2010. up, right? Huh. That was like right before she blew up, right? Yeah, this was the first time she got an Oscar nomination before she did like any of the Hunger Games movies or anything. Yeah. The only thing she'd done before this was the Bill Ingvall show. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, nobody knew who she was. Right. Um, I was, uh, it was filmed here 
in our neck of the woods. Oh, cool. Winter's Bone was. So, uh, and I was in acting school at the time. Uh, actually, the the week I joined, uh, they were doing audition calls for Winter's Bone. And uh, I, I asked my acting coach, I was like, hey, I know I just joined, but do you think I should go, you know, audition for this movie? He's like, uh, you know, uh, maybe you should get a couple, uh, you know, sessions on your belt before you go out and start auditioning. I don't want you to, you know, form any bad habits or anything like that. Mm. We got a bunch of people in here auditioning for it. So uh, uh, we'll just see how that goes. And like six people from my acting class got uh, cast in that movie. And <laughs> and I'm talking like prominent roles in that movie, too. Um, one of them was like Jennifer Lawrence's best friend and a girl I was dating who was in that acting class got cast. So I went to set once and uh, I, I saw her, John Hawks and uh, who else did it? Oh, uh, Garrett Delahunt. That's awesome. And like, you know, again, like before she was huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, and I was like, oh, these are all cool people, you know? And it was it that was the first time I was on like a major motion picture. It's obviously not like a Marvel motion picture, you know, where it's like a giant, but seeing the scale of a film set, that is whenever I realized how unbelievable it is that any movie gets made. When Mm. you see all the working components behind the camera and you see all the people walking around trying to make sure everything is perfect, that they have the, ability to line up all of these tasks to make one shot work is insane. It's truly right. insane. Lighting, boom, booms, camera work, uh, acting, you know, you got to make sure that the time is right. You know, the time of day for lighting and stuff like that. And if it's not, you got to get the lights right and you got to keep adjusting. And I'm like, oh my God, how does anything ever get done? Well, and it's like with the way that movies go, like everything is so much bigger. Like it's not just, not like, you know, in the early days where everything was on a studio lot. Like, yeah, you know, like La La Land shut down a freeway, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Luckily, uh, Winter's Bone was just shot in the woods of of the Ozarks. So, uh, but no, then we got to go to like the the premiere, which was held in Branson, fitting enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, But uh, no, it was. And oh, I got to say this. Deborah Granick, who was the director of that movie, she is the sweetest, kindest person ever. And I really wish that she got a, a directing nomination that year. And the fact that she didn't really make any other movies after that really was like, oh, man, she should have had an amazing career. I mean, but, yet uh, hasn't made any. True. True. Yeah, There's always hope, you know? Yeah, I hope so. Because uh... I think she does great work. But yeah, those are my two stories. Cool. Um, I'll give a just pretty casual encounter, kind of similar to your Steven Tyler one. Uh, you might even be able to appreciate because uh, I think we have relatively similar tastes in music. Uh, you know, uh, We Came as Romans? That sounds so familiar. That's, um, I'm going to look it up real quick. Just make sure it's the same one that I, they're from Detroit. They're like a, a metalcore band. Uh, they're, uh, or they, I think they call them, I don't know, like, uh, Oh, the, they, they sing, uh, carry the weight and a uh, black hole, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they, they, uh, I got into them pretty early and, uh, saw a couple shows with them and event. So I was like familiar with them and I got really into them at one point. And, uh, so like I could, I'm not that kind of person that could typically like recognize band members, you know, unless it's like, obviously you could recognize like Taylor Swift and, um, sure. you know, you're like front people, you know, you're Steven Tyler's and all that. But like, yeah. I don't really recognize like other people, but like with this band, I'd really, really done that. And then, uh, uh, I went to warp tour in Chicago, um, one year 
and they were one of the shows. And just as we were walking in from the parking lot, here comes the front man, um, David. Dave. Yeah, Dave, yeah. just walking down the street. I'm like, hey, are you Dave? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you rock. He's like, oh, thanks, man. And like, we just like walked <laughs> in. It was like, it's like, oh, this, that's so cool. Just this guy, like, he's just a guy, and like, and, you know, obviously he's just a guy. But it's just like, whenever you meet somebody, sure. you're like. You know, because they were they were a big band at that point. This was like 2016 or so. Like they they had made it. Yeah. You know, they were headlining tours and all that. Like they made it. It's just like he's, he's still just a guy. Like you know, and he's not a douchebag <laughs> about it. You know, because oh, thank God. Yeah. So anyway, we'll make that my celebrity story. Uh, nice. Ooh, how about this? Since you give two, I'll give a bonus. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. My all my barely missed them and would give anything to go back and do it. Uh, but um. So I, I live in Iowa City now, and I uh, do a lot of work with the University of Iowa. And mm-hmm. um, University of Iowa is uh, always expanding their programs, their departments, and they have a lot of like under the radar theater stuff. And there was a there was a movie that they were promoting uh, that Woody Harrelson was promoting. Uh, it was like him and um, oh, I can't remember the other actor's name, uh, but uh, it was a it was essentially they had filmed them like walking around Europe or something like that. It was kind of be like a melodrama. I don't know. Woody Harrelson does so much. Um, and this was my first year being there and I had something scheduled that night. So I didn't make it over there. And it was just like a couple blocks away from where I was. Um, they were just having it like free admission, screening this movie and a Q and a with Woody Harrelson. And man, that'd be so cool to go. Um, see if I can find this movie. Uh, it's called, um, uh, that would be like lost in London. I think was the one. Um, uh, Woody Harrelson, Brett Daniel uh, Radcliffe movie. No, that wasn't the one. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Woody Harrelson, Owen Wilson. Well, th- no, that Bono? is the, that is that movie. Um, oh. but I think that's not the one. Uh, I can anyway. It may, maybe it was that one. I don't know. Um, uh, but Woody Harrelson was promoting it. It probably was that one. Um, and <laughs> it was during that Q and A that he confirmed that Zombieland Two was happening. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and it was and it was during that day. And Zombieland is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it was uh, it was during that day that somebody asked him if the rumors about him playing uh, Cletus from Venom were true. Um, if he was playing Carnage were true. And he and he essentially said, like, I can't confirm it. Uh, but like he essentially gave off enough hint that like people yeah, knew. And I then they broke confirm it. Wink, wink. Sort of right. Thing. And then they like broke the news a couple of days later. So like what I mean, what a, like you could be there when Woody Harrelson essentially just said he's playing Carnage and um, Zombieland. So sick. Happening. So well, well, that'll be my so mad that I that I missed it. So, um, yeah. Oh, how unfortunate, but so cool at the same time. Right. Well, it's like, you know, there's Iowa City gets a lot of things people coming through. One of the um, one of the Russo brothers uh, came through University of Iowa. So um, he was actually doing something in Iowa, like right as uh, like uh, at one of the theaters downtown, like as Avengers Endgame was you know a couple weeks old, you know. Mm. Um, so like that's always fun. Gene Wilder, Iowa native. Lots of fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah. God, gotta love Gene. He's yeah. I just oh, rewatched yeah. Young Frankenstein. Oh, nice! Yeah, I love that movie so much. Uh, well, let's talk about the coming attraction. Let's talk about. Uh, let's do it, Cyrano. This is a new movie coming out. Um, I think this is a theaters only. I don't. It feels like it should be an Apple TV Plus one, but I think it's just a theater one. You know how it just kind of gives that vibe. Oh yeah, it one hundred percent. I know exactly what you're <laughs> saying. Like, uh, we want this to be awards contention, but nobody's going to pay to see this in the movie theater. So let's stick it on Apple. Right, yeah. Well, or like you know, Apple makes pretty good 
movies. They've been funding a lot of A24 stuff recently. So, uh, yeah. starring Peter Dinklage, Haley Bennett, and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, a couple other people in there, but those are like the really recognizable names. Directed by Joe Wright, who you might recognize from Atonement, and Pride and Prejudice, and The Darkest yeah. Hour, and Hannah, and um, episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive. Woman in the Window, which. Yeah, maybe we. Those was actually one. a really good episode of Black Mirror. Which one was that? That's the Bryce Dallas Howard episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Where the, she has, the you know, media the one? yeah, the social media thumbs up sort of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. Um, also did uh, the Soloist. Um, yeah, I know that one's. Um, That's an underappreciated it, movie. Is it the Soloist? Is that the Jamie Fox one? Yeah, Jamie Fox and Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. All right. Well. I'll... I'll make sure. You know, I'll, I'll don't, don't get me wrong. It's not grand by any scale. Yeah, yeah. It's just it was underseen and underappreciated. I'm like, yeah, it's a good movie. So, so Joe Wright directing this, and then uh, Erica Schmidt adapting this play, uh, the screenplay for it, and um, hasn't really done anything else. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it looks like she maybe has been doing like plays stuff. So she just doesn't have things on the IMDb. But it looks like she's maybe sure. just been doing like you know, music, like theater, you know. Um, so that's not to discount her, but uh, Cyrano. Uh, Andrew, the way that we do this is uh, nothing holding you back except your own free will. So budget, COVID, um, availability, none of that's holding you back. Let's just say nothing's, uh, your own free will is the only thing yeah. that's going to determine how soon you're going to see this movie. Would you go opening weekend, uh, wait for a matinee, wait till you can rent it at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested in watching Cyrano? I'm just not interested in watching Cyrano. Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I've already seen Roxanne. The mm. one, yeah. So, and I thought that that was fine. I get the premise of this movie, or the play, I should say. It's Edmund Rostand's play. Mm. Um, I, I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. Don't get me wrong. I think that Joe Wright makes beautiful movies. All of his mm. movies have, he has a cinematic eye. Like I was talking about with Ridley Scott. The, these guys just know how to make gorgeous, gorgeous movies. Um, yeah, Pride and Prejudice and, and Atonement are just gorgeous to look at. Um, but I just, I don't have any, it's like, it's like one of the first rom-coms. That's how I look at it. It's, it's mm. just a, you know, uh, Somebody who is uh, uh, insecure with their physical appearance, so they tr- they but they're great with words. So <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Let's uh, let's uh, put uh, my words in your body, and you try and woo this woman for me. Like you, I, I can tell all of the rom com uh, uh, beats that it's gonna hit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't go great at first. Then it kind of works. Then she starts falling for the wrong guy. Then it's revealed what's happening. And then she's mad at both of them. And then in the end, you know, you have that tearjerker moment. So, yeah, um, I've never seen any adaptation of this. Uh, it, there's a million of them. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I haven't seen Roxanne. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of the Cyrano adaptations. There have been really that's all um, that. Uh, uh, Rostain's filmography has. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to join you in the not interested in this movie camp. Um, look, you're right. There's got to be an element of like, Joe Wright's got to make, you know, this at least pleasant to watch, like on the eyes. It, it doesn't look like a poorly made movie. Like it looks like Peter Dinklage is probably going to be given a decent performance. And, yeah. um, you know, it looks like uh, the set design and all that will be, will be on point. Um, I, I, I think I'm exactly... Uh, Two things. Number one, um, the trailer just to me, everybody looks entirely uninterested when they're singing in that. 
And like, I don't know if that's just the song style that they're going for. Like if it's just meant to be more conversational or whatever, but like there's no emotion, no expression, anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not interested at all in the, I, I love musicals. Uh, contrary I don't, you. that's another, that's right. another nail in the coffin for me. But, I, but I think you're right. This just feels like, you know, once you've seen a Hallmark movie, you've seen every Hallmark movie. And I just feel like, yeah. I, look, I'm not going to just discount and say that this story is bad. You know, it's, I'm sure it's a great story. It's just, I've seen it 40 times, you know, um, in, or in 40 different ways, you know, a yeah. million times. Uh, um, but I, and I feel like people are probably, I, I don't feel like enough people are, this is not as talked about as like, uh, like, I feel like people were talking, why do, why is Steven Spielberg doing West Side Story more than they're talking why is there another Cyrano? 100%. Um, 100%. But, but I, I have more concern that this movie exists than Spielberg's West Side Story, which I was already, you know, like, why does this movie need to exist? But everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's why, right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like this is going to be that culmination of, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have been worried about West Side Story. I don't, like, and yeah. there's a chance that people will really like this, especially people, you know, like, People that still will watch a new Romeo and Juliet, it's like, why? Like, if you've seen it a million and a half times in a million and a half different ways, but there are always going to be people that see Romeo and Juliet, you know? Yeah. So I'm just not interested like you. Yeah, it's a shame that, you know, you, you would think that, you know, with it being January and then pushing back uh, Oscar award, uh, like the cutoff to be able to be nominated, mm-hmm. that there would be more things coming out in January, but... No, not really. Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're just taking advantage of it. And yeah, I just, phew, I don't yeah, care about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, well, this doesn't come out January. It comes out in February, I think. Like, Does it? Uh, the end of February, I think. Oh, I mean, maybe it got changed. Um, well, it might be. Or it could be one of those limited. I typically go by limited release date. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, February 25th, but my guess is it's limited here pretty soon. Yeah, you're probably okay. right. Because I try, I try to keep these as close as possible to, um, let me see if I can get this. This might be cool. like one of those limited release on Valentine's Day sort of things, or uh, the week before Valentine's Day. Yeah, Wikipedia has it as January 28th, so my guess is it's a limited the 28th, and then it'll go wide, um, the whatever earlier date I said. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense to me but like look it's if we weren't talking about Cyrano we'd talk about another Ice Age movie or another Adam Sandler Netflix movie you know? <laughs> like you know uh, <laughs> it was always it was always going to be a not interested <laughs> um, so it was a rough go this week let's just say yeah uh, yeah for sure um, it's uh it's it's kind of a rough month um, you know for the for the most part, there's there's one or two good ones in there. But hey, look, February, there's going to be some good things coming out. Yeah, finally. Um, yeah. Finally going to get that Uncharted movie. So Man, that got here a lot quicker than I thought it would. Right. I was just listening to the most anticipated podcast the other day, and it was the where you were like, I take back my Uncharted one to use for John Wick 4. And it was like, well, John Wick 4 is pushed back, so you can just have your Uncharted wildcard back. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm with you. I'm excited for that one. Should be good. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Cyrano before we move on, or are you ready to just move on? Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Like we we've we've said, I'm sure everybody's going to be giving a great performance. Uh, but it's just not a movie catered for my taste. So yep. it's nothing against what the movie's trying to do. It it's probably doing exactly what it wants to do, and more power to it for that. But just not for me. Yeah. 
Uh, well, speaking of music, I did want to give a shout out, by the way, um, your, your buried treasure, your treasure that you had to give really quickly. Somebody asked if, uh, uh, in the Slack channel, they're like, Hey, I don't know if Andrew is in here, but, uh, um, he wanted to say thanks for recommending Eskimo Cowboy in the last <laughs> episode. They li- really loved it and they've been listening to it all day. Uh, that's from Heath. So one of the oh, best. Oh, tell them I said, thank you. And I'm glad that they like it, but, uh. I was yeah. it, it was a it was a welcome change to anything I'd ever heard music wise. So nice. Well, you know, at least some people have. I, don't, I, I guess I don't know. I think he had gotten it from you. So, you know, there's at least one person that carries it. That's good. Um, well, before we move on to the SIF topic uh, real quick, I have to do a Patreon shout out. Uh, Patreon now mm. exists for the Writer's Room podcast. Uh, so patreon.com slash SIFPOPWR is the URL. You can go to that. There are three different tiers, five, ten and twenty dollars a month. Uh, with the $5 tier, as you know, you can get this episode early. Um, and then with the $10 tier, uh, first ever uh, bonus episode. So uh, Heath and I reviewed uh, Scream coming out uh, this past week. Uh, so that episode launched on Sunday. So if you're already a patron, you have access to that. And if you're not, um, then you could have access to that if you're on the $10 or up tier. Um, and so there's your we'll, uh... plug. Will this be, is that bonus ex- episode exclusive to Patreon or was it just a delayed release? That is a exclusive Patreon. Um, mm. that's- Would you be willing to give like a quick what you thought about it? Um, if, you, if not, I, I get it. It's just, no, yeah. I missed, uh, I missed last week whenever, because I lost my voice this past weekend. So I wasn't able to be on oh. the main podcast. So I went and I saw all these movies and I didn't even get to say what I thought about them. I'll just say real quick then what I thought about yeah. it. I thought it was okay. I had to rush because I'd never seen any of the Scream movies. So oh. I, I saw the first three and then uh, I saw the new one. So. Nice. I, if it, while I was watching, I'm like, yeah, this it feels like you know the same movies. I, I like it, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like there's something I'm missing here. Maybe it's just because people have an ingrained fandom love for like references and stuff, and I'm like, maybe I'm just not getting this bit. So. Um, no, I uh, no, I mean, I think it's just like it's supposed to be a little meta. Uh, my hundred percent, yeah. My my thought is. Um, yeah, my brief thoughts, because Heath and I talked for an hour, so even brief thoughts are going to be... Uh, it was just one of those things we kept on talking about thing after thing, and when you get to the finale of this movie, there's a lot to dissect about the killers and the motive and all that, so we talked yeah. significantly about that. Um, uh, yeah, short end of the story is this is the best looking of the screen movies. Uh, the the direction is on point. Uh, the action is intense. The The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, it's It's great. Um, uh, and the story is really good. Um, just something about the ending kind of just felt a little bit too much for me. Mm. Um, the last act kind of, I, I mean, I really, I, I walked away loving the movie, but, uh, the last act kind of fell apart in that. So if you want to find out why Patreon. Nice. So, had you seen uh, all the other screen movies before this one? I had. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I rewatched the first two before seeing it cause it had been a while, but um yeah scream scream 2 is my favorite movie i'll also i also dive in a little bit of why that so it's Ooh. not the best but it's my favorite i loved it i love it um it, i don't know it's just like that perfect combination of like legitimately scary and like a little over the top but not too over the top you know yeah so yeah um yeah um all right oh and timothy oliphant always you know i mean you you have to i mean it's it's the tim boy are you, it's, uh, are you, it's justified. Well, are, are you a fan of Justified? I love Justified. Yo, me too. Did you just see that it's coming back for a limited run? What? 
right. I got so excited for that. Uh, <laughs> I had no um, idea. Yeah, no, they just announced this a couple days ago uh, that uh, Timothy Oliphant is coming back. Uh, FX is going to do a limited series. Um, and it's they be... see all the success that Dexter got with coming back for a limited, you know, and they're like, hey, let's do Justified. Look, anything to expose more people to Justified, because that show's awesome. Uh, Actually, I just started for the very first time, Deadwood. I oh, just yeah, started yeah. watching it last week. And I know we're, we're getting into, this could be a good segue into the next uh, segment of the podcast mm-hmm. here. So I'll let you start that if you want to. Just, uh, just uh, no, I'll, I'll finish up this. It's called Justified. Um, uh, geez, what is it? Because uh, they had, it, it's based off of another, um, uh, what's his name? El, Elmore Leonard? Is that it? Uh, Elroy? The, Elroy Leonard, yeah. Um, I think so, right. I just don't want to get that wrong. Uh, Elmore, Elmore Leonard. Um, he created the character Justify, uh, uh, Raylan Givens. Um, it, it's, uh, he has a crime novel called City Primeval High Noon in Detroit um, that follows a non-Raylan uh, Givens character. Um, and they're just going to make hit, make Raylan Givens the um, protagonist in that story. So um, oh, it'll be coming back. Sweet. So, I'm all about it. All big, about big, it. Big, big fan about that so uh yeah we can get uh talk talk a little bit about uh, we'll we'll move on um uh, let's let's finish up the thought on um on deadwood um this is on my queue this is one i really like to watch uh ian mcshane timothy oliphant alone yeah should get me there so uh fin- finish up uh your thoughts what, what are you thinking so how, how far are you in and kind of what are you thinking i'm just about finished with the first season um i don't know why because everybody who knows anything about me is like going to be flabbergasted that I'd never seen this show. I mean, they all know I love this, the people who are in the show. They all know I love Westerns and they all know that, uh, I love like HBO originals and stuff. So well, this is like mid HBO when like mid two thousands HBO, like they're in their prime. Yeah. They're doing Sopranos. They're doing Carnival. Oz. Oz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, HBO at its peak. It really, really is. A lot of people think that like Game of Thrones is like was the peak of HBO, and I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child, you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Oz is one of the most terrifying shows I've ever seen in my life. I'll just say that Oz is horrifying. Also on my queue. Oh, if you if you ever wanted any reason to never go to prison, just watch Oz. <laughs> It'll make you terrified to do anything. You won't even want to like a. Uh, uh, you know, steal a candy bar or anything like that. Just please don't send me to prison. It looks so horrible. Uh, beautifully shot though. But back to Deadwood. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the show and I'm and I'm saying everything that everybody is saying. Like Andrew, why, why haven't I been watching the show? It's amazing. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, it has a little bit of a loosely, loosely bit, you know, tide of history to where I'm from. Uh, mm-hmm. Deadwood's obviously not in Missouri. It's, it's like up up in the Yukon or like a little south of the Yukon area. I think actually it might be Colorado, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyway, Wild Bill Hickok uh, uh, had a famous duel here in Springfield, and he's one of the the prominent uh, characters in the beginning of Deadwood. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Wild Bill a little bit later as well. Really interesting I think so, for the spinoff. I think so. Ooh, yeah, but uh, the, what I think they say it's like one of the most famous duels because like everybody thinks that quick draw duels and stuff like the high noon quick draw duels like happen all the time in the West. 
there were like two or three very famous quick draw duels ever recorded. And uh, the I live in Springfield, Missouri, and his famous duel uh, was in the Springfield Square. You can go to the square and you'll see like the the Ingrams, like this is where Tut stood. This is where Wild Bill stood. And it's like 75 yards away and like a quick draw right through the heart, apparently. So you're like, wow. And then you see this guy on screen and he's, you know, greatly portrayed. He's not Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant's another character. I'll say this. Ian McShane is insanely good. It's insane how amazing he is. Uh, I, I said this not that long ago. Uh, he, I think on the Anticipation movie uh, episode that we did, um, I think he's the most underrated actor working because he's consistently great and he's like never thought of for like you wouldn't think of him as like an Oscar winning actor. Like, you know, if you were just like, maybe some Oscar winning actors, but like he's yeah. that caliber. hundred uh, percent. Clarification uh, real quick. Uh, Deadwood, South Dakota. South Dakota. Okay. I knew it was uh, the, you know, the, uh, the Pacific North area. So yeah, yeah. like the Northwestish area. Well, mm-hmm. technically I was right. It's somewhere in between the Yukon and Colorado. So <laughs> I know that's a giant gap of land, but yeah. I was right. So what was the yeah? Uh, it's such was, an amazing what was the name show. Of the dual person that you mentioned earlier. Uh, it was Wild Bill versus. I think Wild his name Bill. was Tolt. Uh, uh, Tut. Wild Bill versus David Tut. T U T T. Okay. Yeah, I think it was I th- back in 1865. I think. Okay. Uh, and it was all yeah. over a watch. All over a watch. All over a watch. Yeah, uh, Wild Bill lost a family heir- heirloom in a poker game to Tut, and uh, he said, fine, you can have the watch, just please don't flash it around town, you know, trying to, you know, antagonize me. Well, David Tut flashed around town, trying to antagonize him, saying, look what I won from Wild Bill. So they uh, challenged each other to a duel. Uh, quick draw, 75 yards, Tut missed horribly, and then uh, Wild Bill straight through the heart, and Tut, his last words were, Oh my god, I'm dead. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh definitely we'll talk about Wild Bill later, for sure. Super cool. All right. Making all the connections. Um Segways. Yeah, I'll get around the Deadwood too, uh, especially like I was hoping um I think I was hoping to get around to it before the movie came out, but that was like last year and then Yeah. Uh, it's just it's it, it, there's just there's just too much to keep up with. Um, Did you see yeah. the movie or not? No, because I haven't seen the show. Okay, well, you know, like Aaron and I, we watched the Sopranos movie, and we've never seen an, uh, anything right. beyond the pilot of the show. So sometimes you just gotta watch things because you gotta watch things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Uh. We'll back up just a little bit because I want to ask before we get going, uh, Andrew, what's your favorite show of all time? Easy House. MD. That's right. I remember we talked about this last time. Yes. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about like why specifically for anybody that wasn't here for the last episode? Sure. Um, I think the the performance that Hugh Laurie gives from season one to like season nine or however long that show ran Mm -hmm. is consistently phenomenal. Like the 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 no the the turmoil and the addiction and everything that that character goes through. His his performance never falters from being astounding. Mm. Another thing I love about the show is you can watch it from beginning to end and get a consistent, heartfelt, troubling backstory 
you know, or, or uh, you know, background story that you know pertains to everything. You can also, at the same time, watch any random episode and have a cool illness of the week experience. You know, that's kind of the way I feel about Scrubs. Scrubs is my favorite show. Uh, I love Scrubs. Scrubs is honestly one of the reasons why I joined, uh, where why I signed up to work at a hospital because I wanted to see if it was really like Scrubs. It's not. Yeah. But like, it's not. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, at least the tone isn't. But sure. I think, and that's they, went, what I was I think they went out of their way to, to do a lot of things right. At least I've been listening. Um, you know, the um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison have a podcast of them rewatching all the episodes. I, I just heard about this uh, recently. And I was like, why haven't I been watching this? Because the bromance between Turk and JD is like one of the most lovable like endearing bromances it might be the most lovable and endearing it bromance is. in all of tv history yeah it is for sure uh i should i should clarify as well scrubs is my favorite 30 minute show of all time it's my second of all time uh watchmen would be my favorite show um the new run of watchmen yeah yep, it's a great it. it's a great uh miniseries that's for sure well and that's part of the re- that's part of the thing too is like because like even though like scrubs like not every episode hits. Most of them absolutely do, but there is one or two a season that you're just like, yeah, that was fine. Um, yeah. And then there's the whole last season uh, that is, really should be a spinoff. Uh, but uh, we don't have to but talk like, about it, that. But you know, like every episode of Watchmen is incredible, and I loved. Maybe my favorite episode of TV of all time is uh, "A God Walked Into a Bar." Yeah, that is such a fascinating. It might, I'm yeah, I might agree with you. It might be one of the most compelling, like you know, uh, edge of your seat episodes because yeah. anything can happen. Anything right. can happen because we're talking um, about <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the I love the way they frame it. Gosh, I, it's, mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I feel like. Um, same th- it's same thing about how it could be said about Scrubs. You know, you could easily pick it up on Comedy Central reruns mm-hmm. and have a good time, or you could watch it all the way through and you can have an even better time. Uh, either exactly. way is fine to view it, but um, if you really want to get invested in it, watch it in order. Uh, yes, absolutely. Because that's when you really, I mean, you can you can see in certain episodes like his addiction, you know, to painkillers and like his leg and stuff like that, like how he got the limp mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you can see that if, you know, you really, you know, kind of, you know, pop on an episode and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy, he, he has some issues, but like, if you really sit down and you, tr- and you watch the series, like can sit in a consecutive order of episodes, you're like, wow, there's a darkness here that you don't appreciate until you fully sit down and try and, you know, grasp what's going on. Oh, it's such an amazing show. And the the surrounding cast, Robert Sean Leonard, mm-hmm. is great. It's a great show. I love it. Uh, all right, Andrew, I only have three things to talk about. Um, we can start off with the big one. Um, I, I've been watching a little bit more What If. I'm way behind. I haven't seen Hawkeye yet. Uh, because oh, this is your what you're watching right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we, we did Deadwood. We'll just kind of hop back in there a little cool, bit. Cool. I, uh, um so I haven't seen Hawkeye yet. I um, I haven't even started Book of Boba Fett yet, and I, like that's like I'm so ashamed to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, so I um, I just look. It's between we had uh, our honeymoon in the last month, and we had a family vacation in the last month, and then there's been 
introducing a new puppy to the house, um, you know, and trying to like make sure she's okay. And then like with these Marvel and Star Wars shows, like I watch them with my wife. And so like for us to try to find the time, like it's just, um, you know, it, it takes us a little bit. Sometimes. Excuses, excuses. If we get one week behind, we get eight weeks behind. And uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, I think the last time we recorded, I'd seen the first two episodes of What If. So I, we watched three or four more. Um, it, uh, you've seen the whole show. Yeah. Um, the the last one that I've uh, we haven't seen the last three. Um, I think maybe the, just the last two. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? Uh, it's definitely not the Thor Party Earth one. Okay, that's the next one I have to watch. Okay, it might be Star Lord T'Challa. Okay, I didn't really love that one, but like I see why people do. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll just say that some craziness happens in the last two episodes, maybe the last hear. three episodes. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, um, that I it, I understand why they did it, but at the same time, it goes against why I was loving What If in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I can't get into it because it's spoilerish, so I'll just stop it right there. But I really liked the the T'Challa episode because it really went it really went forward as far as the what if factor, like how crazy can we get with this? Mm-hmm. At the same time, it really held true to the goofy, lovable nature that you would expect from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Seeing Thanos as this lovable brute drax ish character is great um it i loved it because it really went for the whole uh i'm just gonna we're just gonna say screw it let's make a fun episode Mm. now there are episodes like the zombie episode where it's like hey let's see if we can get dark with this you know well and here's all right here's what i what i think i remember you saying and not only you but just other people i know that are also comic fans is that this is these are at least loosely based off of a comic run um yeah they have some to of be, them are they have yeah. to be bent a little bit to fit into the mcu sure but at least the concepts are there you know like zombies uh and all that yeah um which i think then zombies got its own spinoff um so uh and i think it's getting its own spinoff no maybe not i don't know it's possible uh, i know captain people, carter people is. love zombies people do love zombies i know they're making a captain carter one and yep. uh There'll be a what if season two. Um, yeah. Uh, but the um, uh, like these, the, the comics weren't even great. Like that's what I keep hearing is like the comics weren't even that great. So, but you just had potential with this is the MCU and Kevin Feige overseeing this stuff. But it's like, here's my problem with these is you're trying to fit a two hour story into a 20 minute episode. It's my mm-hmm. problem with every single episode. It, it uh, leaves it you wanting more as opposed to feeling satisfied. And when you're doing an anthology show, you have to leave them feeling satisfied at the end. Of there is the run. There is no depth to any of these episodes and it wants to have depth. That's the problem. If these were yeah. lighthearted and fun, that would be a very different. Uh, and maybe that's why I like the T'Challa story because it's just fun. Yeah, yeah, you you're know. right. Except for the like, kind of the ending where they take him back to Wakanda. That was a that was a pretty emotional moment. But yeah, um, uh, the last episode that I watched, I think, um, is is my favorite episode. It's the um, uh, what if Tony Stark would have saved Killmonger? And I. I wasn't mm, really interested yeah. in that concept, but I but I love the way that they executed it. I thought it was really smart and took a lot of twists and turns. And gosh, I, I love just seeing what like the progression of of that and how you know even like Killmonger still is obviously uh, uh he still becomes a villain. Uh, but you get to see what he would be like as a 
as a hero for a little bit and some of the some of the the moments that like you know make you like that are meant to sting a little bit like really mm-hmm. sting so yeah yeah uh, i really loved that episode yeah uh episode. and and uh we have to talk about uh i forget his name now and i feel stupid the voice of the watcher uh oh uh Jer- jeffrey wright jeffrey wright yeah thanks uh i mean they couldn't have picked a better casting for uh Uatu. I mean, he's he's so good. That's exactly what I pictured the Watchers sounding like. So, yeah, uh, he's great. I love him. Um, he's great in everything he does. Uh, by the way, um, <laughs> we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. Let's do it. Uh, I was told that uh, uh, I, I was talking with Alex, one of our other soup writers, and I mentioned that I we haven't finished What If yet. So he's like, so did you understand the Doctor Strange post? credit scene and i said no i don't think i was supposed to though he's like oh if you he's like it would make a lot more sense if you have seen what if and i'm like sure i guess but i'm pretty sure nobody was meant to understand anything from that trailer i think it was specifically meant to be like uh we're going to show you a bunch of stuff that makes no sense out of order uh have you seen uh have you seen since then the the doctor strange episode no because i haven't got to the finale of what if yet so i mean there's an episode that's just straight up doctor strange no is that the one that really plays into it yeah, I thought that that's what. Uh, I don't know what episode that is. So that's you might the fourth have one. Huh? That's the fourth one. And you haven't got there yet. Well, so. I'd seen it. Yeah. Well, I just. Uh, <laughs> I've seen so, like six. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think that that's really what you're supposed to understand is that that's the same strange. You know, that's got a, it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I. I don't know. I just was. Con- I. I thought it was meant to be confusing. Anyway, that got me in the thought of post credit scene. Uh, uh, you missed one, and don't look up. There's a there's a mid credits and a post credits. You just said mid mid credits on the podcast. So oh the the post credit scene was the um I, I'd seen it wasn't it just the oh, floating the bunker yeah uh, no it gets... wasn't floating it was just um the Jonah Hill comes out of the bunker alone that's what uh, it was yeah yeah I was just like you you, you didn't mention seen... it. I didn't know I didn't know if you had missed it so no I yeah sure I, I'd had. seen <laughs> she's coming back she's coming back <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh... Anyway, uh, yeah, what's what's something else you've been watching? Um, two shows that I watch religiously, and they're currently running right now. Both animes, actually. Mm-hmm. One of them is Demon Slayer, mm-hmm. and the other one is Attack on Titan. I hear good things about both of these. I just, I'm not an anime person, so I, I just, I've learned that I just need to, you know, encourage the love of anime, but it's understand yeah. it will never be for me. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure it, this is the final season of Attack on Titan. I'm pretty sure it's going to go down as one of the best TV shows ever made. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it got that reputation like right after the first season, right? Yeah, but this is like a everything coming to fruition sort of a thing. Like, oh, they they're going to stick the landing. I think this last season has been the culmination of everything building up to it, kind of like with Game of Thrones, but they're actually taking <laughs> I, I i hate to you know beat a dead horse but they're yeah, actually yeah. taking the time with this one and i'm like okay so yeah here we go this is how you you know close all the story lines you know this is where you really start to feel no character is safe because it's the end you know if mm-hmm. anybody's gonna get got then it's about this time the thing with attack on titan that i love so much is the fact that it is the most like a uh, visually artistically i should say one of the best developed and designed shows ever 
like even beyond anime, I'm talking like the art style for this show, the way that they draw characters eyes in this is so um, interesting and unique that I'd never seen it done in any other anime. And I'm no anime aficionado. I like anime. I watch anime, but I know there's people out there who live anime and that's not me. But I think that the art style that they use in attack on Titan for like the eyes to like, uh, you know, uh, convey emotion and stuff is unlike anything i'd ever seen uh it's Mm. beautifully shot and uh the story is so if there's one thing you can you can say about anime is is the uh, people always say oh there's never anything new on tv watch an anime they're the most outlandish craziest things you've ever seen and they're unlike anything you'd seen before um yeah I, I absolutely love it, and I cannot wait to see how it ends. Demon Slayer, on the other hand, is taking the world by storm. It's insane how quickly this show is growing in popularity. They did one season of this show, and then they did a a movie. Like I think what they're doing is like a season, then a movie, a season, then a movie, the season, then a movie. So right. they did one season of this show. Then the movie came right. out. The movie was the highest grossing film in history in Japan. It beat Titanic. It beat Endgame. It beat all of these amazing, you know, you know, global blockbusters off of one season. And it's shocking. I get it. I mean, the movie was beyond phenomenal. I laughed. I cried. It was an emotional roller coaster. What I love about Demon Slayer is the fact that this show does something that I'd never seen done in an anime before, at least to this scale. The combination of drawn art to CGI. Hmm. There is scenes where you get CGI and the drawn art in one like scene, and it doesn't feel out of place because the art style that they've chosen lends itself to where you can see crazy CGI and it feels right at home. It's it's got lovable characters. Um, something that this show does that I, I think for people who don't know what the show's about, it's about a, a, like feudal Japan, a guy who slays demons, right? That would and make sense. Demons are bad. Demons used to be humans. Then they were killed. It's kind of like zombies, you know, like it, right. after you get killed by when you become a demon. Everybody loves zombies. Yeah, everybody loves zombies. The thing that sets this uh, this show apart is like every single week he he there's like not every single week, but there, every time he fights a demon and he kills one, he's like, yeah, he killed that evil demon. What does the next episode do? It shows you the backstory of what that person was like before they were a demon. And it makes you feel so horrible for them. Like, oh, this is awful. Why are you doing this to me? But it humanizes everything. And he he feels horrible every single time he has to, like, kill one. But it's like, why are you humanizing and making me feel these emotions? I absolutely love the show. It's it's the show that I'm probably most excited every single week to watch is demon slayer nice there you go uh demon slayer and attack on titan uh if you're interested in anime would they be good intros Uh, intros definitely not attack on titan that's a rough show i mean it's a rough rough show i don't want that to be the taste that people get in their mouth whenever they think of anime um i think for an intro to anime a good one to start off with would be naruto if you're if you're okay with like a little bit of like darkness but not like 
impending like gloominess that just makes you feel horrible. I go Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I think that's the greatest anime ever made. Okay, yeah. but like if somebody is like just interested, like would be de- would Demon Slayer be something they could just kind of pop into? Yeah, I think so. Uh, right, but not Attack on Titan. No, Attack on Titan's rough. And if you're not an anime person, and like that's the one you jump into, it's it's gonna be too. Uh, it's gonna be a, a shock to the system. I think. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I love it, and it's an amazing show. I think honestly, there's an episode in season two that I consider the greatest episode of any show ever. So okay. there you go. High praise from Andrew. Yep. Andrew, want to talk about Big Mouth for a little bit? I love Big Mouth. I love Big Mouth. Have you seen this new season? No, I've only seen the first two seasons. Okay. I'm, I'm behind. Uh, yeah, this is one of those shows that it's like, part of it is like, it's a half hour comedy. It's usually only like 10 episodes. So this is one that I can keep up on pretty well, you know, and, and it's on Netflix. So they drop them all at once. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, if you've seen the first two seasons, you know what you're getting into. But what I like how is how the show has consistently evolved to like, you know how like when you start the show and you're like, oh, okay, well, like these two make sense that they're going to be together and you're going to have these two together and these this group together and this is going to go on. And the show has done a really good job of like making sure that it doesn't stick to a formula. Yeah. Um, and like, con- you know, like it is a show about kids going through puberty. And so you get a lot of the inappropriate jokes. And, yeah. You get a lot of inappropriate jokes and a lot of things that you're just like, oh, I didn't know that I need to see that. But like. It it doesn't entirely rely on just being a gross out show like it, and and I think for the most part it it, it does things in taste to a certain extent um, not always no hundred percent I think always. that there are episodes where I think that I think for as vulgar and crass as the show can be I think that there are actually some episodes where you it would be okay to like show this to a young person so they're like hey it's not just me this happens because. Puberty is such a insane thing that happens yeah. to people. Right. And the fact that there's really no comfortable or easy way for people to talk about puberty or the changes that somebody goes through when they're going through puberty. I think that to have a show like even it like Big Mouth, even like people who are grown up, they can be like, oh, that thing that I went through whenever I was, you know, younger, but I never told anybody about. Apparently everybody went through that. It's like a, it's like a comforting, like, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And I think that's a great, great thing. On top of it being insanely funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, And it definitely has not lost that. Um, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney is still doing some great stuff there. Voice cast incredible too, you know, outside of them. I think that John Mulaney and Nick Kroll together are the modern day Abbott and Costello. I really do. I think that those guys, when they get together, magic happens. That's fair. Um, Yeah, but kind of in the same line, like they are all, they're they're each great apart from each other. Yeah. Um, You're like, Nick Kroll is great in the league, which was my introduction to him. Mine too. Mulaney has some of the funniest stand up out there. And I bought tickets to see him in July. So I'm really happy. Oh, nice. Uh, he's playing at the United Center. He's 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 selling out the United Center. You know, um, that's so. so cool. Yeah, man. Oh, um, the league. It is yeah. one of my favorite shows too. It's so good. And, like I don't ca- I don't care at all about football or fantasy football. So oh really? No, not even a little bit. After watching the show, did you were you curious at all about like uh, maybe I, were you like I, I did, wanted to join a fantasy football league, see what it's like? I did one season of fantasy football in high school before I ever saw the show. Oh, uh, so you you were kind of and, familiar with it before going into and it. And I, I I like this the idea of the sport of football. I just don't necessarily care about any 
it, part of it is like you know, growing up, I'm I'm close to like a, a Bears fan. You know, like that would be my regional team. You're kind of close. Is to the Chicago. team that I grew up the closest? Well, yeah. Anyway, the closest. Well, I mean, I grew up just outside Chicago, but it's like oh, okay. The, you know, that would for sure be my team. But like, they've sucked my entire life, <laughs> except for like you know, 06 was a good season. So, hey, man, um, we live in Missouri, and the Chiefs were garbage until the last couple years. So. Yeah, but you're a Saints fan, so... Hey, oh, come on, man. If anybody <laughs> knows what is... We're the Aints, man. The Saints, until Drew Brees in 2012, it was one of the worst teams ever, but now, now that he's gone, it's going to be rough for a while. It's going to be that. rough for a while. Yeah, well... This has been sports depend- talk. <laughs> depending, on who the, depending on who the Bears pick, it might be rough for a while for us too, but... Yeah, you'd think that they would figure it out. Um, anyway, so like I, I don't and especially now that I live in Iowa City, like I, I, I follow the Hawkeyes, you know, and that's about it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's also nice. Like they live in my town. If I could open my window and hear the stadium on a game day. College know? college football is its own animal. Yeah, I think that people fo- I think people try a lot harder in college football. They do. They have something to prove. Yeah. So I think that's it. Um, and it's not just a paycheck. It's, I got to prove that you think that I'm worthy to move on to the next level. So exactly. Um, and Iowa has a really strong defensive game and that's usually fun to watch. Um, and then usually really amazing tight ends. And, uh, so just the combination of the two, like they usually don't have good quarterbacks. So it's just like, you get to see them do other things other than, you know, um, Tom Brady just, you know, owning whatever other team he's playing. So you guys uh, have like Dallas Clark and, Tony, uh, I forget how to say his last name, Mayoliki, Mayoliki, some of yeah. these Iowa Hawkeye football tight ends from the long ago days. Yeah, I don't know much about their history, but like uh, Noah Fant was a great player and he's in the NFL now. And uh, um, uh, Amir Smith-Marset is, is pretty great. Um, yeah. Lots of good stuff. Welcome um, back to Sit Pop, everybody. Yeah, welcome back to Sit Pop Riders Room. Uh, Andrew, I got, <laughs> I, I just have one more thing to talk about, and then we can. Uh, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever. Um, I did this really bad thing. Uh oh. Um, What'd you I do? Got hooked, I got hooked on a on a MTV reality show. Um, <laughs> there's context. Let me explain context. Uh, we took family vacation down uh, to San Antonio. Spent a week in San Antonio, and uh, my brother-in-law had been watching this show. And, uh, he, they just kept on talking it up and on New Year's Eve, they just, they put it on and I got hooked because we like, there was like eight of us watching and then we had a really good time. And so we just binged the whole season and you know, like there might, may or may not have been a drinking game at some point and there may or may, may not have been, you know, <laughs> lots of other stuff going on. Uh, lots, lots of, definitely lots of commentating, but like, you know. I told my wife, I'm like, hey, we can do this when we get back home, too. Like, this doesn't have to be a just here thing. She's like, oh, yeah? Like, you'll watch, like, Too Hot to Handle with me? I'm like, sure, why not? As long as I can be loud and obnoxious during it. She's like, that's okay. So I I can't throw any shade. I'm looking behind me. Obviously, the listeners can't see this, but uh, I have the box set of Jersey Shore. All the seasons of Jersey Shore. So I can't throw any shade. I thought you were going to say like Big Brother or The Real One or something like that. I'm like, those are totally different because those are like fine, you know, but no, no. And I love Jersey Shore for the spectacle of the human zoo elements of it. Like, Mm. uh, uh, yeah, they're they're kind of close to being human, but not not quite. So it's fascinating. Um, Let me. All right. Let me set you up with the concept of the show I've been watching. It's called Are You the One? Yeah. Um, Okay. 
The concept is uh, they there's eight seasons out, but two of them you can't access because they have terrible people on them. Uh, one of them was recently a contestant from season three was recently convicted of pedophilia and so they're like hey oh jesus uh, take that season off of everything and then the if you didn't think it could get any worse uh, apparently in, in season five there is a uh, a girl that claimed that a producer drugged her and another guy took advantage of her week one so like that's awesome so like you know not great um, like really bad stuff like um Anyway, the, the, the premise of this show is they take 10 insanely hot guys and 10 insanely hot girls, you know, and uh, it's as MTV. you do with these MTV reality shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they put them in a house together and they say, each one of you is, is a like perfect match according to our algorithm. You have 10 weeks to decide to figure out who it is. And through the process, there's like, you know, challenges that they have to do together. They get the opportunity to go on dates. They're able to send uh, one couple a week that wins a challenge into what they call the truth booth to just essentially reveal, you know, you, you're with this person. Are you right? Thinking that person's your perfect match or are you not? Um, and then you have to, you know, start from scratch from, uh, for at least those one couples. And, uh, uh, there's a million dollars if they can get it at the end of the 10 weeks. Um, if they find the right person, if, if all 10 people find all the right people, they split a million dollars. So everybody gets like $50,000. Here's all right. Here's why this show is great. Um, first of all, it's trashy, right? Like it's, it's not like a objectively good show. There's not necessarily anything objectively like original about it. You know, it's not like, it sounds very much like big brother, but with a contestant element to it, you know, kind of, they all all live in the same house. I'm assuming then. So yeah, Yeah, they even like the bedroom is just, they push a bunch of beds together. There's no like rooms. It's everybody just sleeps on one giant mattress, you know? What? Um, Yeah. Yeah, like and and then there and then there's one bedroom in the house that they you know call the boom boom room and it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, (laughs) Oh my god, that is so nineteen, eighteen, twenty year old. (laughs) Let's go to the boom boom room. (laughs) So the uh, the reason the show gets interesting is because they specifically pick people that are that are, are notoriously bad at dating. Like they've had bad dating experiences. Um, so you put a bunch of people that are bad at dating in a room and then, or in, in rooms and say like, Hey date. Um, but then like, because <laughs> this is a game, here's, here's why people can't win this game. I mean, they win this game frequently, but here's why it takes them so long to do it is because people immediately get attached and immediately get loyal and they can't get unattached. And it's like that you should be able to separate, Hey, I really like this person but we were confirmed to be not a perfect match. So I'm going to, you know, play the game. And instead they're like, I'm not interested in playing the game. I really like this person. I'm just going to keep dating them. And it's like, you can do that after you win the money. (laughs) I say this every episode to my wife. I'm like, here's the problem with what they're doing. She's still interested in him and they're still hooking up, even though they're not, you know, confirmed, not a perfect match. Meanwhile, we think they're a perfect match. Just, you need to move on and you can, you can move on and play the game without, you know, actually dating the other person right you can you know or you could like you know date but not you know like take it to the next level right like anyway yeah Uh, people get so attached it's awful um and essentially this show i I renamed this show um uh 20 hot people that are terrible at group projects have to do a group project (laughs) (laughs) that's what the show is So, um, I love anyway, it. so it's, it's fun. Uh, there's, um, there's one season on Netflix. Uh, Andrew, are you a big baseball fan? Hate baseball. 
Okay. I was wondering, because there's this fun story, because there's this one, there's always one person, well, there's usually a couple people in the house that get really toxic, but there's usually one girl that's, like, being really toxic to the game, but it's because she doesn't say anything. She just, like, lets every guy pine over her and then doesn't tell any of them no, even after they're confirmed to be, you know, not matches or whatever, and then, you know. Anyway, there's always one girl like that in each season. Um, and there's usually a couple guys that are the same way. Um, so uh, there's one girl in season four that uh, there was a story that came out uh, like three years ago, the World Series of like two girls like flashed to the cameras behind home plate. Like it was yeah. a big story. Right. So, you, yeah. So you're not a fan of baseball, but you know this story. <laughs> what does this say about me? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was everywhere. It was unavoidable. I didn't care. I didn't care anything about baseball. And even I knew the story, you know, I saw it on, the... I saw it on uh, uh, around the around the horn. Yeah. It's Twitter. You know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me. But um, no, it's uh, one of the one of the contestants was one of those people. And so oh, God. Like, it's like that's the kind of people they put in this house. So. Yeah, that that sounds so MTV. Yep. Uh, anyway, so um, that's that's me and my wife like to like try to think rationally and strategize with the show. But then also like, you know, it, p- people break things, people uh, uh, people yell at each other. And we you know, we encourage all the trashy behavior and all the smart behavior. It's the best. So that's it. That's that's my thing. Good for you, man. You know, no judgment here. All right. Well, I'm 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 happy because I, I posted it in our Slack channel and somebody was like, Aaron, why? No. <laughs> <laughs> but we binged the whole season in one day and uh, and New Year's Eve and it was it was great. Nice. Uh, any other things that you want to talk about or like you want to talk about like your list of shame? Like what's on for you? Like in the queue and stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've seen like Peacemaker, the first three episodes of Peacemaker. It's right, I was wondering, yeah. uh, this is, um, I just essentially do new shows that go on my queue each month. So Boba Fett, yeah. uh, Peacemaker's on there. I haven't seen any of it yet. I'm really excited to, uh, and MacGruber, um, other three that have been. Oh, uh, yes. MacGruber. Tell me a little bit about Peacemaker. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it on like any second now. Like if you liked, if you liked the Suicide Squad movie, you're going to like this. It's, it's the exact same vibe and tone. Um, it's just a lot more of Peacemaker and seeing what makes him tick. Uh, it, it's fun. I, I really like it. It's, it's, uh, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time watching it. I'm having a good time throughout. I'm laughing a lot. Vigilante, one of the sidekicks, is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm digging where this is going. And uh, I hear that the opening credits sequence is among the best ever made. Oh, it's a dance. It's it's an amazing choreographed <laughs> dance intro of everybody. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's so James Gunn. It's yeah. so James Gunn. Now he uh, he's the showrunner, but he I don't think directed any of it, and I think he wrote the the script for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as shows in my queue, um, once I get caught up on everything else, I'm gonna watch this newest episode season of a uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, the, this is one that's just on my queue, but I haven't seen any of the seasons, so I'll mm. have to. Get have you seen of any it. of the Karate Kid movies? Uh, just the original. Okay, I Which definitely I would watch all, I all of them. Watch, right? No, oh, okay. watch them all. all right. Yeah, all right. Well, at least uh, uh, including one, two, three. Uh, watch the first, including three. the reboot. No, okay, just the originals. Yeah, just the originals. All right, and it's been I think probably ten years since I've seen the first Karate, and I saw it once. So, yeah, yeah, you all definitely because right. I mean you'll get it if you've seen the first Karate Kid movie, you'll get it. But then a lot of stuff like uh, gets referenced and stuff, and you're like. Wait, who is that? 
who is that? And even in this newest season, uh, there's definitely like people from the other movies. Nice. So you definitely have to like, and they're important. Okay. So it, it would enhance my experience to watch the movies. hundred percent. All right. Yeah. Well, what are some of those uh, shows that are on your queue? Well, have, on, have you seen Book of Boba Fett yet? Any of the uh, I think a new episode just got released, like the third episode, and I haven't seen that one. But uh, I've got seen it. the first two. I'm liking How do you feel it. about the show? I'm liking it. I like Mandalorian a lot more. Uh, okay. Every episode of Boba Fett ends too soon. And when I say that, I don't mean like it leaves me wanting more. It feels unfinished. But mm. I'm still so in love with, you know, the characters and the worlds and stuff. And seeing Boba Fett, you know, get to be the B.A. we all know him to be. And like the turmoil and stuff like that. And seeing like, you know, flashbacks and stuff like that. Like, like I'll and just go ahead and say, like, what did it look like inside the Sarlacc? Or Sarlacc? <laughs> that was really yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, it, is there any... I, don't, I can't remember who the showrunner is for this. It might be Robert Rodriguez. Um, is there any, like... Uh, like, Mandalorian was really great at just bringing in a bunch of different, like, awesome directors. Like, you know, Taika Waititi, Robert Rodriguez, John yeah. Favreau doing a couple... Um, uh, the person that's doing the Obi-Wan show, I can't remember her name right now. Um, Deborah Chow, uh, I think. Um, like, just bringing a lot of those people, like, do you, do you remember any of the names of the people that directed Book of Boba Fett? Like, well, Robert kind of Rodriguez did do the first episode. Cool. Yeah, I think he's the showrunner. I could yeah. be wrong. And then uh, Steph Green did okay. the second episode. She did a couple episodes of uh, The Watchmen show. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then this newest episode was... Uh, once, once my phone decides to stop being stupid. <laughs> uh, this newest episode was actually also directed by Rodriguez. Got it. So, okay. yeah, it's it's right. uh, it's fun. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Yeah, but, I wanted to but make at sure the same time, it is leaving about... me wanting more. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we, you know, especially I haven't seen them. Yeah, but, no, that's um, all. Let you have. But your yeah, own. I figured. Yeah, just uh, um, at least a little bit of thoughts on arguably the biggest uh, biggest shows out there. Easy. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, Steph Green, Robert Rodriguez. That's the um, seven episodes, all written by Jan, John Favreau, um, co-writing um, with the six with Dave Filoni. Uh, Robert Rodriguez directed an additional episode. Bryce Dallas Howard um, and uh, Kevin. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard also directed one, and Kevin uh, Tatcherian maybe um, directed. Uh, um, well, he was supposed to direct a Mortal Kombat movie. They announced him in like 2011. That must have not happened. But he did Mortal Kombat Legacy, the web series. Um, Which was so good. So so he's directing a episode of Mandalorian. Or Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll be looking forward to that quite a bit. Uh, cool. Uh, so what are some of those shows that are on your queue? Like, what what is the next things you're getting around to? It's pretty much just right now Cobra Kai is the next thing. Uh, I'm also, I've also fallen behind on My Hero Academia. Another mm. anime, <laughs> uh, this yeah. newest season. But uh, yeah, those are the ones that I'm really watching right now. Or I mean, right. they're in my queue. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and do you have one hot take? Something in the TV world? Yes, Cowboy Bebop's not good. <laughs> People hail that as the greatest anime of all time. It's not good. Well, you'll you'll hear nothing different from me because I yeah have no experience so. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, if there are going to be listeners who there are going to be they, listeners they that like, just like, they like wish anime. That anybody else was ho- hosting the show so they could just be a fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All it's right, not good. 
Sounds like the biggest hot take there is. Uh, what about you? I'll just say, like, I don't. I have to come up with these each month. Uh, so it's like it's getting harder and harder to find them. How about? Uh, how, there's just too much out there. Uh, I've used this kind of before to just say how there's too many streaming services, but like, there's too much content out there. Um, yeah, there, there, there doesn't need to be this much. Um, <laughs> and you know, I don't even know that it's a hot take. You know, <laughs> uh, especially especially considering all the content that Netflix alone puts out. I think most people are like Netflix could dial back like to 10% of what they're currently producing and be much better off for it. Netflix is definitely a, a quantity over quality company. Yeah. Well, I, th- I wonder if they're just kind of like, a, let's just throw a bunch of stuff at a wall and see what sticks. And That's if exactly it doesn't it. stick, nobody will care. And, it, you know, we'll lose a, you know, we have unlimited money so we can. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt us, but if people really like it, like Squid Game, then it'll make a bunch of money. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, there's too much out there. It's, 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 there's a reason that my queue keeps on growing and growing and growing is there's way too much. Um, yeah. you know, and that's for everything. It's not just, I want everything to be Star Wars or Marvel. Cause you know, that's, no. that's not a, that's not an ideal world either. You know, there's probably too much Star Wars and Marvel stuff out there, you know? Mm. Well, on that note, let's head over to the B plot. Um, <laughs> So, uh, again, TV tangential. Let's uh, talk about TV shows that should have been better given their premise. Now, uh, these don't have to necessarily be, like, bad or terrible shows. They could even be okay shows. But just, you know, shows that it doesn't matter whether they had one or ten seasons. Um, Something that just should have been better. Uh, I'll kick us off because this was really the inspiration for this. Um, There was a show that I saw advertisements for, uh, I think, from This Is Us. It was an NBC show that came out last season called Abby's Place. Uh, that I'm sure nobody heard of because nobody watched it because it wasn't good. It was really bad. Oh but, no! Um, it's uh, it starred. Um, gosh, what is her name? Uh, nobody. I'm sure Google's isn't even gonna know this movie or this show. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Natalie Morales. Yes. Uh, what is she from? What is? Uh, yeah, stars Natalie Morales. Um, really recognizable face. I don't. I can't pin from what exactly. no she was uh if you've ever seen uh the newsroom yeah she was also in a uh, parks and rec parks and rec that she plays um the, the was, girl that tom winds up with yeah, yeah she was tom haverford's girlfriend yeah right uh she was also in um new girl or, yeah no not not she uh doesn't i've seen this uh, show. anyway you've you've Abby's. seen yeah yeah i've seen it what do you think about it i really wanted it to be good I right? really did. I mean, so it's just called Neil Abby's, Flynn Abby's was in it, and yeah, Neil Flynn, yeah, and yeah, the janitor from Scrubs, yeah, exactly. And I was like, please be an outdoor Cheers, you know? Right. So the concept of the show was Abby has a house, and in the back of her house, she has a small bar that her neighborhood comes and hangs out at. Yeah, like this should have been Cheers for a new generation. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Franklin also in here. He's a really funny, like, you, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> only only recognize his face. Uh, Veep. He's played Will. He's Robbie in New Girl. He's also in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, um, he's the guy who knows everybody. I love him right. as Robbie though. Like you said in New Girl, mm-hmm. cousins. Uh, I'm not a big New Girl fan. Cousins. Oh, shame on you. Yeah, uh, he he's got a lot of like little roles and a lot of like he shows up. You're like, oh, that guy. Um, yeah. he had a, it looks like he had an arc, uh, early on in the office. So or maybe late on he's in dollhouse. Um, yeah, it was. So, uh, anyway, um, Abby's should have been cheers for this generation. And I, I think even I only made it two episodes cause I was like, this isn't funny. 
um, and the laugh track is overused and, you know, and I already don't like a laugh track anyway, but like, at least if it's going to be like used exclusively for things that are funny, this show just wasn't funny. It wasn't, wasn't good. The the cast didn't really have much chemistry. I, I hope Natalie Morales gets something. I hope Neil Flynn gets, you know, another you know, role. Like um, he was in the middle for a long time too. Like, you know, I hope the guy just consistently has, you know, shows that last for 10 seasons. Yeah. So, uh, cause the dude's awesome. Janitor. Yeah, and I think he's a. I think he feels he sounds like a really great guy too. So. Oh yeah, from everything I've read, he's the kind of guy who uh, kind of like uh, uh, Billy Zapka uh, mm. in uh, in Karate Kid. He he's not one of those guys who, and there's nothing wrong with this. Like uh, when you become so uh, when a role you do becomes so iconic, you just become that character and everybody sees you as that character. No matter how many other things you do, you're always going to be janitor or you're always going to be, you know, in the karate kid, you know, you're always going to be that kind of guy. He owns it though. And that's what him and like Billy Zapka have in common. Like, yeah, I was janitor. That's awesome. You know? (laughs) So that's what everything I've seen about him. I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. So he seems like a really good guy. I want him to get more work. Yeah. I agree. I love him. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's what's a show that you think uh, should have been better given its premise? There was a show that came out back in 2012 called okay. Revolution. Yeah. All right. I, I haven't seen this. This is um uh is this McGee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Billy Burke. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, essentially, the all the power goes out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The entire world, all the power goes out and everybody gets sent back to the Stone Age. Um, it's really, really interesting. There's some really big people in it, like I said, Billy Burke, but also mm-hmm. uh, Giancarlo Esposito's in the show. And uh, oh, nice. we all know him as Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. I thought that the show was good. Like, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the show, but it obviously didn't have... Uh, the run that I was wanting it to like the arc. It didn't, it was one of those like, okay, I want to see more of what life is like with no power, you know, because that's the entire premise of the show. I think that they tried to dive into the whole bringing the power back way too Mm. soon, way too soon. Sure. Yeah. That should be at least be, you know, a tease for season two. Yeah. Season one. Not in like the third episode. Yeah, and then you don't even get to do it until season three or four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like they find I think it was like in the third episode, they find <laughs> a singular device that uh that has working power and they have to figure out like it, it, it turns into like the bunker in Lost, you know, like oh, what is this yeah, yeah. one device or what is this bunker, you know, and, and that becomes the the arc. But I'm like, I want to know more about this world right now. You know, you're setting up. Literally, the entire premise of the show is the world being rebuilt. Show me the world being rebuilt. I don't want to see, you know, you know uh, how the story arc that because whenever you, um, whenever you define uh, what like a series arc based on a singular item, it minimalizes your focus point to one singular thing and you don't get to appreciate everything else that's happening around. Like, uh, mm-hmm. how are they getting, you know, fresh water now? Are they bringing back, you know, what, what old machinery are they having to dust off or what's happening with, uh, they did something really cool where, uh, guns, guns were no longer a thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, because like once, you know, all the bullets were gone, 
you know right. it's like right. yeah their guns yeah. are just pieces of carbon you know and that makes sense yeah yeah so like bow and arrows and swords once again become the rule of land you know and it's like oh this is really cool how i'm, I'm getting to see what everything is you know becoming you know, like or or it's de-inventing itself i guess is the best way but it just didn't have the arc that i wanted it to uh i, w- I want to correct myself from earlier i asked if this was mcg um because i I was speculating if it was McG short running. Uh, this is uh, Eric Kripke. This was his follow up once he departed from Supernatural. So, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was McG. I was right there with you. I thought it was McG too. So, yeah, I thought so too. But yeah, it's uh, Kripke. The first five seasons of Supernatural, and that's where he was going to end it. But the yeah. show was so popular at that point because it just hit Netflix. They were like, we don't want to stop. So somebody else took over, and he's like, all right, I'm gone. And uh, He's like, um, so he stayed on as producer, and then he started Revolution. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to see because I think I think the show has a cult following, but I think I think you're right. It's like the cult following isn't like diehard dedicated. I think there's just a lot of people that are like, oh, I like that show, but yeah, I don't, I don't. It's not like you know Firefly or uh, um, you know Star Trek or yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I thought it was like I thought this is what Mick G started right after he did Chuck, but I guess not. Uh, I was wrong. Um, what do you got? What's your next one? Uh, show that you maybe you have seen. Uh, it's called Sense Eight. Yeah, so, all uh, right. I've seen. Let's see how many episodes I've seen because I have it written down. Actually, don't ask me why I have it written down, but I do. <laughs> I think there was only two episodes, uh, two seasons released, and then the fan base got very mad, um, and was p- trying to petition Netflix to to revive it or somebody else to pick it up. Uh, and Netflix rewarded them with a movie that was pretty poorly received, but it was just kind of the you know serenity essentially you know the Uh, first three episodes that's what i saw okay i think that's all i saw too i can't remember exactly the concept of the show but it was like eight random strangers are somehow linked and they have to yeah mentally their minds are connected now right and like i can't remember much beyond that other than like the fate of the world is at hand and there's a bunch of like mystery stuff going on um really cool concept uh yeah i think i got out after episode three um, cause I remember being really shocked when, when they were like the fan base is petitioning Netflix really hard. I'm like for this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. Sense eight is, uh, is another one. What do you got? My next one. Homeland. Oh, okay. This is uh one that I haven't seen. Okay. The first two seasons of Homeland stellar. So amazing. Three through eight garbage fire. Like, why am I still watching this? It, it it devolved into something I didn't. It felt like a because I love the first seasons too much. So much. I was like, OK, I'm just going to stick with this, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 kind of like Walking Dead. Uh, and I'm okay. not put, that's not on my list, but I'm just, you know, as an example, it could. like it could. Yeah, it started off so great. And then I felt like because of how adamantly I loved the uh, the other seasons, I'm like, well, maybe I just owe this show to continue to watch it. And then it just, I hear uh, a lot of people actually really like the last season. By that time I was just exhausted. I'm like, I can't anymore. So is this a show that you could recommend? Like just watch season one and two and you'll be satisfied to stop. Like is, is there ever like a, a point that you don't, that like, it's not gonna, cause I'm one of those people. I'm kind of a completionist, but like, I think house of cards is a great example of a show that you could watch the first two seasons and then stop because the house card season two finale is where he becomes the president. Yeah. And like you could easily make that your series finale um, and just fill in the blanks as you go along later. Is, 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 
my guess is this is just a cliffhanger show and oh each season each season is a cliffhanger still because they're so good i would say go ahead and watch the first two seasons just be prepared to just yeah and then either either read up but i guarantee you like after the season two finale you're gonna be like oh i gotta watch the season three and once you start season three you're like okay i can see this isn't going anywhere so just watch a youtube video to make my mind happy yeah all right homeland uh, Man, those first two seasons are good. Let's talk about Master of None. Okay. Um, this is a fine show. It's it, it was okay. I never saw the third season. I, um, I don't know. I just I, I think Aziz Ansari kind of leading and taking a little bit more serious of a role, but still kind of being a comedy. Just you know, it's it's definitely not a ha ha funny kind of show. Um, I like the the representation um, that that was included in the show. I like a lot of the things that went on. I just. I don't know. I could never, I could never invest, get myself invested in this show. So, yeah. um, something about it just never, never made me like, you know, you watch, um, Parks and Record. Like we've talked about Scrubs a lot. Like, like you watch it and you, you get hooked on JD and, uh, um, Turk. Turk's bromance, but then you also like, but Turk and Carly got their thing and, you know, JD yeah. and the janitor have their interesting relationship <laughs> and there's the Dr. Cox wild card. Like, you know, there's lots of reasons to watch Scrubs. Uh, I, I just couldn't quite find something to grasp onto with Master of None, but it was also only like the I only saw the first two seasons. I think they were each eight episodes and they were like 25 minutes a piece. Like it was, you know, not a huge time investment. It was just I, I, I'm not interested in going back from anymore. Honestly, uh, I've only seen two episodes of the show and they weren't even in the right order. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I saw like season one episode, like uh, what was it like eight or something? Yeah, it was. I saw one was old people, and then the other episode I saw was the second episode, which was their parents, like what their parents' hardships, like growing up mm. in like Vietnam, and then like growing up in uh, uh, was it India or Pac- India? I think it was or Pakistan. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, and like the hardships that they went through, and now their kids are just spoiled, <clears throat> and it's like, oh man, like the joy that his father had from like a chicken and stuff like that. And like his son can't be happy with the brand new iPhone because he didn't get the max version or something like that. Like it, it was a really fun, open eye opening experience. What I found out about the show though, is that it wasn't what I was looking for. I was mm. looking for a ha ha, you know, side splitting comedy, but this is really a, a internal look at oneself. Like, yeah, there's funny moments, but at the same time, it's more about like, like finding out who you are as a person or who you are as I might, as, as a minority. And I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's and, great. And that's a cool show, but it's not what I want right now. And I guess like, I, uh, I wasn't necessarily looking for a ha ha funny because mm. by the time I'd gotten around to watching it, season two had been over for a while. And I have this one friend that loves this show. And he was talking about how, it's it's hilarious, but it's also really self-reflective and self-examining, and I just I couldn't I couldn't connect to it. So yeah, uh, all right, shame. you got another one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this one could get a, a little bit of a heat thrown my way. I'm gonna go Heroes. Okay, uh, now I haven't seen this one, but uh, first season's good. See what, but then the writer strike happened, and I hear they never. Yeah, could capture any close anything close to the magic. Yeah, the writer's strike. I remember when that happened, and it was such a crazy thing that shook the entire television world. And mm-hmm. I didn't at the time, like whenever it was going on, like when it was first going on, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then I started seeing, oh, shows aren't coming out. 
Right. So, like, once that reality and, set and in... And all of your favorite shows just got canceled. Yeah, all my favorite shows are done. Like, uh, My Name is Earl got canceled from that. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite sh- uh, shows that I thought had great potential, and it was good, was a show called Lie to Me with Tim yeah, Roth. Yeah. Tim Roth. I think that that show, like, was right around the time of the writer's strike. Um, another thing that it was competing with House funny enough mm. and tim roth and hugh laurie were playing really similar characters sure so i think that it became more of a uh, well which of these is making us more money right now and obviously house was the biggest show on tv so yeah. they're gonna stick with house and they were gonna let uh lie to me go which is unfortunate because i loved lie to me so yeah, much lots it was of people do. such a good show Lots of people do, but also I'm not sure, again, if it really is House versus, I, I don't know that anybody would change that choice. I wouldn't. Obviously, yeah. uh, House is my favorite show, so I knew which right. one, but it's like, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite Sophie's choice, but it was like a couple steps away from being Sophie's choice. Um, but uh, Heroes was a show where I was like... Yeah, this is a cool premise, and I'm I'm digging what's going on. The writers, I wasn't. There were fanatics for heroes. You know, yeah. people were crazy about that show because, like, oh, it's a superhero show, and it's not tied to any universe. It's 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 its own entity. It gets to do whatever it wants without any uh, <clears throat> without any expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that first season. Yeah, it, it it's unfortunate what happened because I think the show had great potential. I liked sure. I liked where it was going, but it just didn't it sure. it didn't live up to it. Yep, uh, yep, that's that's what I keep hearing. All right, let's talk about Squid Game. <gasps> yeah, look, all right. Here's the thing, right? <laughs> Pre- TV shows that should be better given their premise. I really like Squid Game. Okay, I'm not trying to crap on it. Yeah. Uh, here's a couple things that could, you know, I think there's a couple storylines that could be killed for this season. Um, I think that there's a couple episodes that maybe could even be just taken out or whatever. I think maybe the show itself is a little bit too long. The intro takes a little bit too long to get into. Like the first episode takes a little bit too long kind of, you know, showing how bad this guy's life is. Um, you don't think we need that though? Um, I think that there's enough in that episode where they come back after the games that mm. probably you don't need it. Um, but I, th- but I don't think we need as much of it for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you could have added a mystery element and then as he goes back, you can figure out why he went in the first place uh, or, you know, whatever. But um, anyway, I just, it just felt like that first episode took way too long. Um, but the, here's the biggest problem with the show is that um, your main characters like this was not a show that killed off main characters um, except for like one at a time in dramatic fashion late in the series. This was, you know, so like biggest example is the tug of war episode. Yeah. Uh, The one that ends where they start playing tug of war. And it's like, do you really think that they're not going to live because they're playing a bunch of nobodies? Like, yo, if this show kills all of our main characters and we just have the nobodies from now on, like all of the props to it. Uh, this show would have been much better if it was a little bit more spread out. That way you could really sense that anybody could die at any given moment. I think with that episode, though, <clears throat> that episode, it's the first time they weren't being killed, but they had to kill. Fair. I um, think that that's really what is the driving element, because, yes, obviously, we know that they're not going to die. But it's how are they going to react to actually 
having to kill somebody. I mean, I guess I, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess that's fair. I'm playing devil devil's advocate here because I know what you're saying and I know you're right. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I'm just nitpicking here now. Well, and what what I'm saying is this is a good show. I really like squid games. Yeah. Uh, It could have been next level. It could have been. So, um, yeah. And maybe how, how about you, you have your, your season one. That's just the, the people of squid game. And then your season two could be from the detective's perspective. You know, mm. you could have made those separate arcs and all that, you know. Um, anyway, but I think it was intended as a miniseries, but always hopeful that there could be more. And obviously it made all the money and Netflix is like, we'll give you more. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, do you have another one or uh, that was, that those are the three that I had written down? OK, I have one more. I'll d- I could just say the title and we can move on and that's fine. OK. Uh, Saturday Night Live should be better. It's just not love the premise. It should be better. Yeah. It's better than it was. Not as good as it has been. That's a great way to put it. Uh, but this show should consistently be the must watch event on TV. Yeah. Should be. And it's never. So. No, it, it really isn't. Uh, I, I mean, there was like during the elections and stuff, whenever like uh, uh, Alec Baldwin was playing Trump and uh, 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 what's her face was playing Hillary Clinton. I'm having a brain for it right now. Uh, Kate, McKinnon. Kate McKinnon was playing. Yeah. Hillary Clinton. Like, yeah, those were the things that people tied into or turned into as the cold, the cold opens. But uh, as far well, as like skits and stuff, I can't think of any skit over like the last 10 years that comes close to living in a van down by the river or, or uh, how about the, um, uh, don't say David S. Pumpkins. No, David S. Pumpkins is fine. I don't. I don't really understand it or love it. Um, the Dear Sister. Okay, was Lonely Island within like the last? I guess it was within the last ten years, wasn't it? Uh, no, that's probably like a little bit over ten years. But sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah. But still, Dear you're Sister, talking modern era. Dear Sister, Lonely Island. Uh, that era was. That is what brought in the younger generation to loving Saturday Night Live. Was Lonely well, and- Island. The digital the, shorts did it. I think it should be pointed out that the problem with the show isn't isn't the performers. Uh, sometimes it is, but like I was rewatching some of the like two thousand and like seven and eight years where it's Andy Samberg and Bill Hader and Jason Sudeikis and Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers and like some people that I consider comedy legends. Yeah, uh, like some of the funniest people ever to live, and it, it, the show isn't funny. Um, so it's not it's it's not the it's not necessarily the performance. It's just this. You take the funniest up and comers in comedy and you put them in funny situations. And the show should be great. Yeah. Uh, and it's just not. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Can you believe Aaron has seen Aaron? Not your Aaron <laughs> has seen every single episode of Saturday Night Live. I can believe it. But, you know, he gets to do it full time. You know, that's insane. Like. And you know, he he watches a bunch of movies. Like he's his job is to be a critic. And like you know, I, I think I was even talking with him about this um, when he was on the show last May. Um, and you know, he's like, you watch it for the nuggets. Like there's a lot more misses than there hits, but when it hits, it really hits. And that's that's absolutely right. Anytime yeah. that John Mulaney would show up as, uh, um, uh, no, John Mulaney would be writing for Bill Hader playing Stefan in the Weekend Update. Anytime oh, that's God, on, Stephane. gold. Yeah. Really, most of the things that John Mulaney would you know, have his hand in, right? Is that you, or you watch it, you watch the, the whole episode of Saturday night live for the Kylo Ren undercover boss segment. Right? Yes. Um, so anyway, the whole show should be on that level. Going to meet some regular folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. A nuggets here and there, but 
for uh, uh, it's it's a quantity like it's a it's a kind of if you're mining the quality you're it's going to be it you're reaching the end of that vein so right well and you know again this is tv shows that should have been better given their premise saturday Night live should be a consistently better show than it is it's not to say i don't like it it's not to say i think it should be canceled it's just to say that i am not interested in watching the whole show for the nugget i will wait and see what twitter says and then youtube the ones that actually seem worth watching yeah so all right well that'll do that um so the spinoff right Andrew, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you're really just dying to tell everybody to either check out or to stay away from? How about a book? Oh, books. Yeah. Is that not allowed in your version? Oh, books are absolutely allowed. <clears throat> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Ooh. Any particular reason? I don't know why I picked it up recently. Maybe because I uh, not too long ago I watched rewatched Young Frankenstein, like I was talking about. But uh, people were telling me, yeah, you can uh, watch Young Frankenstein or you can see the old black and white Frankenstein. But you, if you've never seen like uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's version, you don't really understand what that book was like. Because mm. the old black and white ones, uh, are they're nothing like the book at all. Like Frankenstein can talk. He, he's like a, in, intelligent to a degree. Um, hmm. he's like scorned by, uh, Victor. Uh, I say Frankenstein, okay. the creature. Who, sure, Frankenstein's yeah, monster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is, I'm not going to be a grammar Nazi on you. No. Yeah. 100%. Well, you should, because I just read the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the creature who sometimes goes by Adam is what he names himself. Like the first yeah. man, uh, uh, he wants to be accepted and he's like, scorned by victor as like a failure like uh, i didn't do it right you're you're not what i was wanting to make and to see this dynamic build between somebody being born and then cast aside by a parental figure to have to try and survive on their own and to learn on their own and to be loved on their own is really really not what i was expecting from this book um do you know the the story behind like mary shelley writing this book it's it's been a hot memory you can refresh me for sure so uh she was married to a poet and like she was uh-huh. like in a group of like a like you know the literary uh the types of the time um they all said that a, a woman could never write a, a story like of great uh uh, caliber or anything like that. So they had a uh, a, a little uh, a tournament sort of a thing, like who could write the best story uh, in, in 24 hours. And she wrote what would be the backbone pretty much for Frankenstein. And she won. And people were like, wait, the woman wrote that one? The woman wrote that incredibly horrifying story? So then she really uh, uh, dove into this because you see a lot of... Uh, uh, like parallels with her life in this like she had like five kids only one of them lived really so like the whole like a parental figure or like the lost ones like wanting to bring back those from the dead and stuff like that you really see all of this in the book and it's really fascinating on top of it being terrifying uh i truly truly enjoyed it and i'm glad that it's not what i was expecting i got a lot more than what i thought i would okay that's good to know. And you said the the Branagh version is the one to watch if you're going to pick a movie. If you're going to pick a... Uh, I don't like that movie, but it's the most 
that I've it's seen. The most, it's the most. Uh, it, it's, it's the it's best the adaptation. The it's the most. Okay. Yeah. True. Ad, uh, truest adaptation. Yeah, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein for me. Yep. De Niro, Brana, Helena Bonham yeah. Carter. But definitely read, read the stuff. book. All right, so read the book. It's the first uh, science fiction book ever. Nice. Yeah. So if you're, so if you're a sci-fi fan, you uh, it's like homework. You have to have read it. And I All right, finally did. Here we go. What do you got, man? I said we were going to talk about Wild Bill a little bit. Yeah, you did. I was wondering when that was uh, coming back. Let's let's talk about a video game. Um, love me some video games. Uh, me too. I decided on a whim. Andrew, you like westerns. I do. Um, I decided on a whim because uh, they were on sale on the Xbox Marketplace for like four bucks a piece. And I was like, you know, any game is worth four bucks. Uh, and I'd heard a lot about these. I picked up the three Call of Juarez games on Xbox. 360. Oh, yeah. Call of Juarez. You played these? Yeah, I have. Nice. Um, so there are four Call of Juarez games. Uh, the first one is available only on PC. And then there's Bound in Blood, uh, The Cartel, and um, The Gunslinger. Um, it's an anthology series, so you don't need to have played one to play another. Uh, you should just know that they're all very different games, though. Uh, at least because the second, uh, Bound in Blood, is a relatively straightforward game um, about two brothers in, in the West. Um, it's got it's got decent game mechanics and a decent story. It's fine. Uh, there's nothing great about it, but you know, four bucks, like yeah, like you know, if if you can get your hands on it for it's not very much money in the Xbox market or whatever. And it is backwards compatible because uh, they're Xbox 360 games. Um, they're worth your, they're worth your, your time. Uh, it's only like a seven hour uh, commitment. 100%. And then the cartel and then the cartel happens and that's a modern day game. So it really feels off and it has a setup that's kind of like Sicario, but there's enough gameplay elements about it. Like in obviously I love Sicario. So like the setup is cool, but it's, it just doesn't feel like a call of Juarez game. It kind of feels like a pretty generic, stereotypical first-person shooter for most of the game. But there's a couple of like elements, like each character. Uh, it's very much meant to be co-op. Each character has uh, like different side stories that they're supposed to be working on as well. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Uh, the one I really liked was the Gunslinger. Yeah, um, it's an unreliable narrator, and the graphics are kind of like Borderlands, so it's really like a yeah, really weird. Uh, but I really like the uh, Call of War as the. It's like they turn the uh, the what what was that filter called the uh, the sharpness all the way up to a hundred almost. Yeah, <laughs> and and honestly, it's kind of told in a way that it kind of feels like if Quentin Tarantino did this unreliable narrator of a old gunslinger, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's great. Uh, that's the one I'm really recommending. If you just want one, because you don't need to play them all. Call of War is the gunslinger I, i'm um, with you i hated cartel i didn't, I, hate I, cartel, I didn't even finish it good. i quit it had some it had some good things about it you know um nobody liked nobody really liked it but yeah it was mostly pretty generic and doesn't feel like a call of horse yeah so. well like you i got it uh i think i got it whenever it was like a xbox uh like they i forget what what it's called when they had like the free games uh of the oh, month games or something gold. Yeah, Games of Gold. Uh, they had a cartel, and I'm like, oh, I like the first one. And then I got it, and I was like, oh, it's not a Western. It's it's a modern. So I was like, well, maybe it'll be like a... Uh, no, it's not. Okay, I quit. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what their things were, but they were recently on sale. They were the deals with gold, and they were... Mm. Yeah, like I said, I think four bucks a piece. And the cartel's not a great game, but I paid four bucks. Like, it's fine, you know? Yeah. I got, I got four bucks worth of it, so... Nice. Uh, I'll do. Uh, that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows such as Sif Pop Weekly on the uh, studiodna.media 
or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to uh, write for SifPop.com, you want to get in contact with us on the show, send us a question to explore to B-plot, that'd be great. You can email uh, at Room, and you can also get in contact with me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. And please remember uh, to consider checking out the Patreon. Lots of fun perks there, patreon.com slash SifPopWR. Uh, but that's all the ways you can connect with me in the show. Uh, Andrew, Sip Pop Weekly, uh, anywhere else you want to send people? No, that's it, man. Uh, definitely check it out. It's We have a lot of fun, and coming up this week, you're going to be joining us and right. uh, as we do the Sift Pop Awards. The Sift Days. Next, next, next week, if you're just doing live shows. Next two weeks, if you just follow along in the podcast feed. So. True, true. Nice. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to it. Um, be a lot of fun. Um, Always love hang, hanging out with you, buddy. Yeah, me too um next next week for the podcast uh robert and blake join me to talk about casablanca uh for a goats episode and next uh, month hate that movie. a couple other writers yeah actually i really do I really oh, do. all right we'll see. <laughs> i haven't seen it yet so uh, uh next uh next month i'll have a couple other writers to talk about some tv stuff should be a good time uh hey thanks for hanging out andrew really had a good time oh man i i i always have a blast coming on definitely whenever you get a chance or whenever like you have a free slot let me know i'll always come on have a blast for sure that'd be great um well until next time at least uh for the show um you know we'll uh see you when we see you <laughs> yeah all right I'll, I'll see you pretty soon within a week or so so take it easy buddy yeah. bye